0: The following audio is from the Ridge Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. For more information about Ridge Church, please visit RidgeChurch.cc. We hope you enjoy this message from the Ridge. Well, how are we doing, Ridge Church? Awesome, awesome. Hey, my name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're so glad that you're with us uh, this morning as we are continuing walking through the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts now for about nine weeks. And uh, we're going to sort of put a pause button on the book of Acts uh, here in three weeks. So we got this message and uh, two more weeks after this uh, before we just hit pause on the book of Acts. And we're going to kind of walk through a few other things for the rest of the year. But we'll come back and finish the book of Acts. So uh, I hope you're not too upset by that. But it, we, will, we will get back into that. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question this morning as we get started. How many of you, and by the way, for those of you that saw Kevin Bradford's message a few weeks ago, there's no bunny suit in this. I just want to let you know that. There's something different in it. For those you are like, hey, I've seen that before. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to Kevin Bradford's message a couple of weeks ago. So, um, how many of you have ever received an awesome gift like just absolutely just blew you away surprised whatever most of us right we most all of us have received just a gift that has been absolutely amazing that that blew our minds and that was just uh, amazing to us i um i love i think like most of us I, I love to get gifts i love to i love to give gifts as well uh, gift giving and gift receiving is is fun i think for for all of us Um, But my wife, she is by far the most amazing gift giver I've ever known. And as we've been married, coming up on, on 10 years now, she has uh, blown me away. Every time that she uh, surprises me with a gift that is uh, completely unexpected, it always just blows me away. I remember uh, years ago when the iPod Touch first came out, and I was just salivating over wanting one. Like I just wanted one so bad, I couldn't wait to get my hands on one. And so I was you know, just going to be saving my money trying to get an iPod Touch you know, when I was able to get one. And then I remember coming home one day and uh, walking in the door, and there was a gift wrapped up on the Uh, in the floor, actually. It wasn't even on the table. It was just in the floor, and it just had a note there with my name on it, and I picked it up and and opened it up, and it was this uh, iPod Touch, uh, first-generation iPod Touch, which was uh, absolutely amazing, and so I remember opening that up and just being blown away by that, and and it's just continued to happen over and over again, and I'm sure uh, like that example, there are many other examples that we could give. I'm sure that you could think of times when you opened up a box, and inside of that box was something completely unexpected and it took you by surprise and and maybe you even felt like it was undeserved or maybe you felt like that there was no way that that you could get your mind around why you were able to get this gift or maybe even that gift came from someone that completely surprised you you never expected to get that kind of gift from someone that you got that gift from as As great as these gifts have been, the ones that my wife has given me, others have given me, and great as the gifts that, that you have received from others has been, none of them have radically altered or changed your life none of these have had, they've none of these that I've received they they've not radically changed or altered my life sure they were great and they were wonderful and 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 they were awesome for a time but probably like the gifts that I've received the gifts that you have received mostly have been gifts that uh were just amazing but they they were what they were right i mean they 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 were amazing for the time but eventually just like things material things that we get eventually the shine sort of wears off but there is one gift that has and will continue to change all of us. Some of you have this gift. Some of you want this gift. Some of you need this gift, and this gift, the gift that we're talking about today, is available to all of us. The only gift that has ever radically changed my life, and maybe even some of your lives, has been the, the, the gift of forgiveness and grace. It's the only gift that I've ever received that has radically altered and, and, and changed and, and impacted my life. Grace, the Bible tells us, is a gift. Grace is a, it's a gift. It's not something that I've earned. It's not something that I got because I did well. It's not something that uh, I received because I, I marked off some checklist and started going down the list and got to the bottom of it, and the prize at the end of that list was the gift of grace. It's not something that I got because I was able to work my way through a to-do list. It's not something that I got because I received it at the end of completing a class. Grace, the Bible says, is a gift. And were it not for this forgiveness and grace, my life would be radically different and my eternity radically sad. You see, Romans 5, if you have a Bible, we'll get to Acts in just a moment, but Romans 5, uh, 17, 15 through 17, l- let me read you what the Apostle Paul says about this gift of grace. He says this, but the free gift, he's talking about grace, he says, but the free gift is not like the trespass, he's talking about sin. He says, for if many died through one man's trespass, and what he's saying here, he's talking about how sin came through Adam The first man, he said, But uh, for if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift, grace, following many trespasses brought justification, meaning made right in the eyes of God. I love that and how it talks about this gift. And then Paul uh, reiterates this in Ephesians 2 8, to the letter to the, to the Ephesians. He says that it's by grace that we have been saved through faith, right? And he says, and, and this is not your own doing. This is not something that, that you earned. This is not something that, that you did. This is not something that you just you pulled yourself up and you just did better. And so then you were able to be forgiven. Then you were able to receive grace. Paul says, no, 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 no. It's not like that. This is not something that you earn. This is a free gift that you have been given, this gift of grace. See, God has offered each one of us this same radically life-changing gift. And like I said before, some of you have taken this gift. Some of you have received grace. Others of us have wondered if we even deserve it. Have you ever been given a gift, and someone gives you that gift, and they they sit it there at uh, this is blind in some of you guys sorry uh, apologize for that, but you, you get this gift and and somebody slides the gift across the table to you, or maybe they they put it under the christmas tree it's your, or it 's your birthday, and they they give you this gift and and you ever feel that pressure to have to open that gift like right there in front of them, you know because you don 't want to open it up and be like uh, this is awesome (laughs) right and so you're kind of worried about that and so you you just take it and you're like I'll open it later I'll get it later you know the typically you know gifts from our grandparents right if you're a grandparent no offense but like and so we I love you we love you um I'm just saying in my life in my life so like so like we we just get it there we're like I'll get that later I'll get it later right but maybe you've been given a gift before, and, and, and somebody sits that gift in front of you, and they say, they say, I got I got you this gift, and you're like, Why'd you get me this gift? I just got it for you. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be awesome. And you're like, but I, I didn't do anything. Like, you ever felt that pressure? It's like, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't do anything. Like, what's this for? It's not a birthday. It's not a holiday. Like, you know, what is this for? It's not for anything. It just just got you this amazing gift. And so we kind of feel that that weight going. But I I didn't deserve this gift. You see, the the gift of grace, some of us feel that way with grace, don't we? Is that that God offers us this free gift, and we think about it for a moment, and we go, but I, I don't, I don't, does, like, do you know me? Do you know my past? Do you know, like, do you know what I even did last night? Like, do you know the thoughts that go on in my head? Are you, are you sure? Like, this is, that can't be for me. But yet, God says, this gift is for us, Others of us have received the gift. We opened it up, we tore off the wrapping paper, we flung the box open, and we took the grace. But yet, for some reason, we're very hesitant to share that grace with others. The Bible even speaks to that. Some of us, we're not even sure it's for us because we just think that maybe it's not even possible. But here's the bottom line for today's message. The gift of grace changes people. The gift of grace changes people. I believe that it has, I believe that it can, and I believe that it will change. All of us as we receive it and share it with others. And so as we look at the book of Acts, as we get to Acts chapter 6, well, that's where we were at last week, we looked at the first part of Acts chapter 6 and we said, hey, here are four practices of the early church that, that we as believers, that we need to get our minds around, we, that we need to, to jump into, we need to reinforce these four beliefs, these four ways that the early church, how they interacted with one another, we need to reinforce this and recommit ourselves to these things. And in Acts chapter 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 six in the first part of that, we see a man by the name of Stephen introduced to us. Stephen was a uh, Hellenist speaking Jew. He was a a Greek speaking Jew who was uh, charged. He was one of the seven that the apostles said, "Hey, you're worried about the the uh, widows; these widows not being taken care of, about them uh, not getting the daily distribution of the bread." And so Stephen was one of the seven that they chose to to serve them. And what we find out about Stephen is that Stephen he's very smart. He's very uh, he's very well spoken. In fact, he would become a a really good leader. It would seem, but we don't get a chance to really know much about Stephen because in at the end of um, Acts chapter six, we see that Stephen is arrested, and then in Acts chapter seven, we see Stephen begin to preach this really, really long sermon. In fact, it's one of the longest sermons in, in all of the Bible, but, but Stephen preaches this really long sermon to his accusers. They're, they're accusing him of, of blasphemy. They're falsely accusing him. And so he preaches this really long sermon to them. And in his sermon, what Stephen does is he paints a, a picture of how God raised Jesus from the dead. And he lets them know that it's this same God who acted powerfully and faithfully throughout the Old Testament because he's preaching this sermon to the religious leaders of that day and how Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament but not to abolish it. And so those that he is preaching to, these religious leaders, they didn't like it. And so they take Stephen and they drag him out of the city and they bring him outside of the city with a large number of onlookers after he's preached this just amazing sermon. You read it for yourself in Acts chapter 7. And they begin to pick up rocks. And they begin to put Stephen to death. But as they're putting him to death, Stephen has a very important message for those that are getting ready to take his life. Let's look at this. Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 54. says this. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, talking about Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. You see, they didn't like this J guy. They didn't like... The name of Jesus. They didn't like them talking about this resurrection. Remember, they had told and charged them earlier in just a few chapters before this in chapter 4, they told them, don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about the resurrection. Don't even mention it. In fact, if you say anything further, we're going to kill you. Stephen knew this, but yet he did it anyway, and it enraged them. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Verse 58, then they cast him out into the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. If you don't know who Saul is yet, we'll we'll see Saul next week. Saul will be the man who is. Uh, actually is taking it and leading this charge against the Christians, persecuting them, having them put into prison, having them put to death. But Saul, the man that becomes Paul, the man that we know who we've already read some of his writings, that uh, wrote the letter to Romans, wrote the letter to Ephesus, wrote the letter to 1st and 2nd Corinthians there, uh, to the church in Corinth, this same Paul that ends up writing most of the New Testament, most of the verses that are probably some of our favorite verses of Scripture, he is standing at the feet of the death of Stephen, and he's approving of it. But he hears something that I think will radically change his life forever. Verse 59, as they were stoning him, Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. Stephen, in his last breath, would ask that God would pour out his forgiveness and his grace on those who were putting him to death. And so, I want to answer two questions that we might be pondering and wondering from this text, and then I want to ask two questions for us to consider for ourselves today. The first one is this, is how was Stephen able to forgive the people who were killing him and show them the grace of God? And how was Stephen able to forgive these people. Could you, could you imagine for a moment being in, in Stephen's shoes? Could you imagine for a moment being there where Stephen is at? What would, what would you do? What would you do? Would, would you be able to, to do the same thing that, that Stephen was able to do? You and I, we may never be in Stephen's situation, but we have all been in a situation where we had the opportunity to, to forgive someone and show them grace, have we not? We've all had that opportunity. Maybe not in this exact same situation, but we've all had that opportunity. Sometimes it's been uh, really simple. Sometimes it's been way more complicated than that. This past uh, summer, uh, my family and I were on vacation. We were at the beach, and, and uh, where we were staying at the beach was kind of a, a bit of a far walk to, to get to the beach. But the place we were staying at had a shuttle that would go you know, every couple of minutes from, from that area to the beach. And so uh, for several years now, we've been going to this same place. And we would just stay at the exact same condo and we would hop on this uh, shuttle and, and go right on over to the beach and never had any issues with this. And so, one of the things that we would do is because the, the beach area would fill up really quick, is that we would load all of our beach stuff. And we've got two young kids, and so we got a lot of stuff. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach with little kids, there's a lot of stuff to take. And just like, you just, you ain't walking, it's just not gonna happen. And so, like, we put everything into the car and I drop down really early down to the beach and I get all of our stuff out on the beach and then we're gonna leave our car there. I'm gonna take the shuttle back. Our family going to ride the shuttle back over to the beach. Well, this particular morning, I get there, get all of our stuff laid out, leaving the car there. I'm hopping back onto the shuttle to head back over to our condo. And as I get onto the shuttle, there's uh, this little lady and she's driving the shuttle and she looks at me and she says, uh, she, she says, hey, do you, do, you have your, do you have your room key card? And I said, no, I've got a, I've got a room key. And she goes, let me see it. So I take out this key, and it's like a little key on a keychain, right? And I said, I've got this. And she goes, that's not that's not what I need. And I said, well, what do you need? She goes, I need an amenity card. Do you have an amenity card? I was like, I, no, I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then she just goes, you got to get off this bus. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? I think it's because I had a Tennessee shirt on. I think she was mad because they know about the, the beat down they're about to get this year. And so, um, and so I think she was upset by that. And, and so... I uh, and so I had to, I had this had this key and I said but but this is what we've always used I said this she goes no you need a room key I said this is my room key it unlocks the door to the place that I'm staying it's a room key I was, I'm kind of getting agitated at this point because there's a bunch of people behind me and she and she just looks at me and she's like you got to get off this bus or I'm calling security I was like Are you kidding me like you know so I, so I'm a little upset and so I'm like all right fine what's your name you know. And she goes, Janice? And I said, All right, Janice. <laughs> I'm gonna drive back to the condo. <laughs> so I, I get off the bus. Well, here, here's here's the thing. So I'm like, I'm 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 mad. Like I'm just I'm just mad. And I don't really get mad at things like this, but for some reason, I guess it was because like all these people were behind me or whatever. I, you know, I'm like mad. i have having to like, you know, walk through a line of people to get off this thing, right? And so it's, you know, that walk of shame. I'm like, I just got kicked off the bus, you know, so I'm walking through these people. And so all week long, for the rest of the week, I'm confessing my sin to you. For the rest of the week, every time we saw a shuttle, whether or not Janice was driving the shuttle or not, I told my kids, I said, hey, kids, wave at Janice. (laughs) just wanted to let Janice know what was up. I was mad, like, but honestly, really, truly, what, what I should have done is I should have, just, I should have shown grace and forgiveness and mercy, but I didn't. You see, and we, we've all had maybe situations like that, but, but for many of us, they've been a lot worse than that. Someone has said something to us that really deeply hurt us. Someone has done something to us that has really deeply affected us and hurt us. And it's in those moments that we have an opportunity to to show them grace. Here's a hard truth for us, if you're a believer. A hard truth that we have to learn, and it's simply this. Is that forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiven people... Forgive people. And, and we don't want to, to believe that. I, I think that there's a part of us that, that we don't want to believe that for certain things that have happened to us. But because we go, yeah, but there's an exception to this because you don't understand how bad this was. But we must understand that forgiveness and to show forgiveness and give forgiveness and pour out grace as a believer, that it's a command if we are a believer. It's not an option to us. Rather, it's a matter of biblical obedience. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. You know what that means? It means walking in the tough things. That means going through the hard times. And if one has a complaint against another, uh uh-oh, forgiving each other. And here's the tough part. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's a hard truth, isn't it? Forgiven people forgive people. And this is not saying that if a person has, has suffered enough, well, then we'll forgive them. If, a, if we've punished them enough, then we'll forgive them. That, that if they've worked through that checklist long enough. No, the scripture tells us that we must forgive as believers. And yet this also doesn't say anything about this being easy. One of the defining marks of a believer is a person that forgives because forgiven people forgive people. And so a question for us, a personal question for you and I to wrestle with this morning is this. Number one, are you a believer? Because here's the deal. If you're a believer, you're not exempt from this. If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Christ, you're not a Christian here this morning, I'm here to give you a little bit of good news on this. You're off the hook on this. You're off the hook on this. But if you're a believer this morning, if you are a professing Christian who claims the grace of God for your own life, you cannot hoard the grace of God for others. Because forgiven people, forgive people, is there someone that you need to forgive? It shouldn't be a question of if, it's when. Not if they deserve it. Because you and I didn't deserve it either, did we? But yet, God gives it to us. And then the second thing, second question that we have from this text is this, is why did Stephen forgive them? Why did he forgive them? The first question was, was how was Stephen able to forgive them? It's because he understood that forgiven people forgive people. He understood the forgiveness which God had, had given him, but, but why did he forgive them? It's kind of perplexing, isn't it? And it's okay for the Scripture sometimes to to give us um, a a bit of a a perplexed mind, to to make us question, to, to make us wonder the hard things. You see, he understood that forgiven people forgive people because he was forgiven himself. Stephen had experienced the gift of grace of God in his own life because the gift of grace changes people. The grace that Stephen had been given himself had changed him. You see, Jesus has been our ultimate example of this and and was the same for Stephen. And here's what I love about Stephen. You see, Stephen didn't walk with Jesus. Stephen wasn't one of the uh, original 12 disciples that was with Jesus for three years of his ministry. You see, Stephen is very much like you and I. Stephen received the teaching of grace through someone else. And he had heard about the resurrection of Jesus through someone else. And so he began to, to follow Jesus. And so Stephen, like many of us, are the exact same way. None of us were with Jesus. None of us saw the crucifixion. None of us saw a resurrected Jesus. And Stephen was the same way. And so he received this through the teaching of the apostles, through the teaching of the Word. And he began to, to walk in this grace. He believed the teachings and believed in the resurrection through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then Stephen, I love what happens. As Stephen is, is being put to death, he mimics, because he knew about the forgiveness of Jesus, he mimics the words of Jesus on the cross when he says, Jesus said, Father, receive my spirit. And do not hold this sin against them. The same things that Jesus said on the cross. He said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. These are the same words that Jesus spoke on the cross. And Stephen is reflecting the words of Jesus as those who put Jesus to death on the cross were like the ones who were putting Stephen to death outside of the city. You see... When you follow Jesus, you become like Jesus. And when you become like Jesus, your life will reflect Jesus. And when you reflect Jesus, you'll be able to walk in grace and then able to give grace yourself. You know when you really start to look like Jesus? It's when you start to forgive people like Jesus did then you know that the gospel is taking up root, and you know that the fruit of the gospel is beginning to to grow in your life when you begin to forgive people like Jesus. Here recently, we saw this very thing happen. Here recently, a little over a month ago, nine of our brothers and sisters in Christ were murdered in church. When a man came in, joined their Bible study, sat down with them, prayed with them, looked them directly in the eye, and put nine of them to death. And in that moment, those that had received the brunt of the brutality, those who had had to uh, endure the, the dying of their family members not long after that would stand in a courtroom facing this man and they would say some very, very powerful words to him that would mimic the same words of Jesus. Take a look at this video for a moment and see it for yourself. You took something very precious to me. from me. I would never talk to her. Never I would never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. You know, I forgive you. and My family forgive you. But we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters the most. Christ. We welcome you Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms, you have killed some of the most beautifulest people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts, but as we say in a Bible study, we enjoyed you, but may God have mercy on you. powerful, isn't it? These men and women who had their family members slain stood face to face with the one who did it, and they mimicked the words of Jesus when they said, we forgive you. Not only did they offer forgiveness and grace and mercy to them, but they prayed for his salvation, that one day that they would be in the same heavenly place as this man. See, the gift of grace changes people. Now, I don't know. I don't know if this gift of grace will will change this man. It's yet to be seen. We'll see. I believe that it can. But for those who had to stand before him, the gift of grace changed them. They were able to ask for God's grace to be poured out upon him. They were willing to say that we forgive you because they understood that forgiven people forgive people because they themselves have received the grace and the love of Jesus who poured out himself, gave up himself as a payment for the debt of sin that we might have grace ourselves. And so the last question that I ask you is this. Do you know that you've been offered the gift of grace and forgiveness? Regardless of how you came in here today, God's gift of grace is for you. If the gift of grace is for this man, if the gift of grace is for the ones who put Jesus to death on the cross, if the gift of grace is for those who would put Stephen to death, if that same gift is for them, then do you know that this same gift of grace is for you as well? Paul says in Ephesians 1.8, he says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom. I love that word lavish because that word lavish means uh, over the top. It means poured out. It means extravagant. It means more than what we could ever get our minds around. And Jesus, before the foundation of the earth was laid, meaning that before you ever sinned, he knew your sin. (laughs) Before you ever messed up, before you will mess up tomorrow, Jesus goes, it's not going to surprise me. Like There's nothing that you can do. There's no sin that you will commit that's going to surprise me and make me regret saving you. You didn't come in here this morning and go, the grace isn't for me because of this past week. If you knew the way that I spoke to my wife this past week, then there's no way that this grace is for me. And God's going, I knew that. But yet it is for you. And then in Romans 5.20. It says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. See, God is not like any earthly father or any of us because he lavishes his grace upon us. As we ponder these questions, this past week, I was walking through the auditorium and, and um, just praying over the auditorium as I typically do at one time during the week, praying for you. And I saw this card laying on the floor. and I, I don't know where it came from. I, I believe uh, it's from a, a little child. Um, but I don't know. Your handwriting may be really bad. It might be yours as well. Um, but I love what this card says. It says this. I don't know who it came from. It was just laying on the floor, but this is what it says. It says, I love God. God loves me too. Isn't that good? Isn't that what it's about? You see, but it's not because you love God that he loves you. You see, he loves you. Period. Period. So do you know that this grace is for you? Stephen was able to look in the face as Christ looked at those who had nailed him to the cross. He was able to look these in the eye and say, I forgive you. Because the gift of grace changes people. So do you need grace today? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Because you understand now that forgiven people forgive people. Or is this grace that we're talking about, this gift, is it something that you need to receive and put your hands on for the first time to give your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, save me. Or maybe to walk in grace because you're far from God. You're a believer, you've given your life to Christ, but you've just had this uh, wall between you and Christ that says, "I, I, I just can't get to the grace. And God's saying, I don't need you to get to the grace. The grace is already here need you to swim in it. Would you stand to your feet and pray with me? As we do each week here at the Ridge, we have communion available here for you to come and take as the band plays. So we invite you as as the the song is being played to come and take communion if you want. We ask that First of all, you be a believer. We ask, secondly, that you take a few moments to, to consider the word preached today, to consider the grace of Christ. Ridge Church doesn't need to be your home if, to come and take communion. You're welcome to come and take communion today. You're welcome to sit right where you're at as well. We also want to let you know that we have prayer team partners in the room. Mindy is up here at front. If you want to come and pray, she would love to pray with you. We have another prayer team member back in the back. Wesley is back there, and he would love to pray with you as well if you want to go to the back. But whatever work that you need to do with the Lord today, before you come and take communion, would you take the time to do so as we pray? Father God, we just thank you for your grace. God, it, your grace perplexes our mind. God, we can't we can't get our minds around. because it is lavished upon us. You have forgiven us. God, when we confess and repent of our sin, we turn from our sin and we turn to the cross, God, you, you welcome us with open arms. Those of us who were once far off have been brought near by your blood. Thank you, Jesus. God, give us the courage to forgive those who, that we need to forgive most. God, remind us that because we've been forgiven by you, we are called to forgive. Forgiven people forgive people. God, but for all of us, let us walk in your grace as it changes us. It's in your name we pray.